you are. I thank you, Lord, that you're with us in the good times and the hard times. You are faithful. You're always there. And for that, we give you praise. And I pray now, Lord, as we uh, come together for this message, Lord, that you'll be with us. And uh, I pray that you might use me, that you anoint me through your Holy Spirit to proclaim your word to your people. Um, I thank you for that, Lord, for the privilege of bringing your word. I pray that you might use me for your glory. And I pray, Lord, that hearts will be open to receive all that you would have for your people here this morning. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, I believe at the top of everyone's list is not the need for more education, more money, more security, uh, more comfort, or more recognition, but it's the need for knowing God. The place in each one of us, since we are created in his image, he has placed in us that inner, there's that inner knowledge, inner desire to know that there's something greater than ourselves in this world. So God's goal always is, we can go into uh, special revelation and general revelation, whatever, but maybe we can put both, uh, what I'm saying in the category of both general and special revelation, but there's something that when, you, when we look at this world, we know that something greater than ourselves has created all of this. You know, you'd have to be really, uh, really out of it not to see that. We all see the, the, the glory and wonders of God's creation, and we call that general revelation. And general re revelation uh, points us to the special revelation that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when I say that, I think the more, once we understand who God really is, what he offers, and what he says, uh, brings us to the conviction that the God will always deliver on his promises. So I want to talk about the promises today of God in, in his various forms and, and what are some of those promises? How many of you uh, didn't, I, I can't, no, I can't ask that question because I know that you're all into the word of God. Put it this way, how many of you try to memorize, you have certain scriptures that you always kind of go over almost on a regular basis? You have those? I look at sometimes when I'm, you know, it's always good for us to look at God's promises as recorded in his word. And there are thousands of them. How about Hebrews, what, 13, 5? Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Uh, or how about Matthew 6, 33? Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. How about John, I think it's 8, 32? He said, uh, you will know my truth, and my truth will set you free. What promises? How about uh, John 10, 10? I've come that you might have life and live it in full. It goes on and on and on and on. John 16, 24. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. 
These are just a few of Jesus' countless promises as recorded in his word. The Bible is God's revelation of himself to us. So as we know, I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir, that as we read the word of God, these are God's actual revelation of himself to each and every one of us. The world constantly changes. Isn't that the truth? When you stop and think about the world, and as you've progressed through life, what a difference we see. Back in the, well, I can't really conceal me, but, you know, I was kind of, you know, raised in the 60s, you know, and what a difference between the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. You see what I'm talking about? I mean, in all areas of life, we see the difference. In the 60s, we had car songs. You know, then in the 70s, you start getting into different kind of, of music. And then the 80s, you start getting into heavy metal and all of that stuff, which I don't understand, you know, and so on and so forth. But we see that this world is constantly changing. But we also see that the world has corrupted biblical truth. And we're seeing that more and more today. And there are things coming down there's, there's, they've had, I don't know what kind of, a, there's a law or something in Canada, you know, about certain, certain subjects or whatever that people can't even, aren't even to share in a counseling situation. And we're seeing more and more that the Bible is not relevant for so many in today's world. That's it. You know, and yet we have all these countless promises in the word of God of how he, he's there always with us. And he promises thousands and thousands of things if we will only receive it into ourselves. Amen? He's saying, boring. I've heard this many times. I know all that, Pastor. But, you know, I, I personally need to be reminded of these things, especially when I go through some hard times or whatever. I need to... Uh, draw back on God's promises, what he's promised me, and how he's fulfilled those promises. So, so that is just a means of introduction. You're thinking, wow, with, with such a, a power-packed introduction, I can't wait to see when he gets to the meat and potatoes of this, uh, of this sermon. Let's, let's uh, start by looking at my first thought, I changed it. I just put, just be cool, okay? Romans 15, 21 through 25. Now, really, this is a very interesting passage because Paul was going to visit Rome, and also he just was really wrapping up his ministry at Corinth when, uh, and listen to these words because I think they're very significant for us you know, as we think about when we start feeling sorry for, our, for ourselves, just pick up and read these, these verses from Romans. Paul said, rather, it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have 
often been hindered from coming to you. Verse 23. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to go, I plan to do so when I go to where? To Spain. Now, all you Bible scholars out there, did Paul ever make it to Spain? I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there. After I have enjoyed your company for a little while, now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. Paul's goal always has been to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had finished his work at Corinth, as I had mentioned, and he alluded here to some, some setbacks and also a desired missionary journey to Spain. However, the Bible is silent about this journey. And there's been debates with scholars about did he go to Spain or not. Some say, well, tradition says that Paul went to Spain. But the Bible does not say the Bible, is that one of those that we say, well, sometimes the Bible is silent and he really went, but, but they just, for one reason, God decided not to mention that in his word. Paul mentioned it about going there. Then why, if he went, why wouldn't God just honor that? You know, there is a strong argument that Paul never made it to Spain. He never got there. Yes, the Bible tells us that he went to, to Jerusalem. Why? To bring an offering to the poverty-stricken Jews there. So where are we? We see in Paul's ministry that for a period of time he was in a chains in a Roman prison. We know that Paul was abused. We know Paul went through all sorts of hardships. On top of all of that, he had a desire to go to Spain. And it looks like he never made it there. Yet, as usual, Paul didn't give up because he knew, he knew that God in Christ would work all things for his good. Are you with me? Some of you might be back thinking about, well, listen, I think that he really went to Spain. Well, that's your privilege. Philippians 4.12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this or things through him who gives me strength. How many times have we gone over that? Probably some of you have memorized that particular uh, scripture. These past few weeks, the world has witnessed. We have, we have witnessed 
the tremendous resolve of the Ukrainian people. We have seen on television and what have you, and the internet, whatever, civilians being uprooted and, you know, migrating to the borders of, of Poland and other places where women and children, old, older men, are migrating there. They've left their homes. They left behind, for many, their brothers or, or their husbands or their uncles or whatever to fight the war. We have also seen subhuman treatment by the Russian army taking away decency, self-worth, bringing pain and destruction and death. How can we not see that? You know, in World War II, before you were even here, we never had all of that. You had all those events were taking place in Germany, whatever. We didn't have the media. They didn't have it then. We're getting all of this firsthand. And how many people are saying, well, this is just like 1939, World War II with, with, with Hitler, what he was doing. Yes, if you read your history books, there's a lot of similarities. You've got a guy in Russia, this guy's whacked out. And that's putting it mildly. How can anyone with any shred of decency go in and just blow up children, families, innocent people? Who would do that except a maniac? And we are living in it. The difference we have today, one of the big differences is this. We have more nuclear weapons. I mean, more countries, rogue countries have these these kinds of weapons. You got a guy that is nuts and he has his finger on those things. Not to mention the other kinds of weapons that he has that haven't even been mentioned. But there's one thing that Putin can't take away from these Ukrainians. This one precious intangible and you know what it is, their desire, their motivation to be a free nation. That's why they're fighting, that's why they are dying. They want to be free. Paul could say, again, in uh, the first part of Philippians 4.12, I know what, is, what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Now, when he was in prison or maybe perhaps thinking about his plans of going to Spain and they didn't work out, but he never gave up. Instead, he focused on the sufficiency of Jesus Christ regardless of the circumstance because things don't work out according to our plans doesn't mean that we give up on Christ. Susan's a good example, and Ron. They lost a child, but they didn't give up on Christ. They're here faithfully every Sunday, 
to worship their God. You know, that should inspire all of us. Say, hey, you know, this is bad. We would never wish this on anyone, even our enemies. But then to be sustained and, and, and turn to God as Paul did, that's a beautiful thing. And that takes a bunch of faith and a lot of perseverance and strength of knowing that God is going to work all things for his good, even though we scream and we don't understand it. But at the end of the day, we don't bail out on Jesus. Amen? So, so Paul was content and he was motivated. There's, motivation is a beautiful thing. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. No doubt, listen, no doubt if what happened to Paul happened to a lot of people today, they would crack up emotionally and spiritually. And that is a fact. They would just, they would say, I've heard people say, you know, I prayed about this, I prayed and I felt led, but it didn't happen. And for some people, that really shakes their faith because it didn't work out. I prayed about it. I really felt that God was in this, but then it just kind of blew up. How about Paul? You know, Paul, if you read his, his letters and what have you, we, we have all this wonderful ministries were going on, but that man went through a lot of garbage. He went through a lot of stuff. He went through so, so much. He also prayed. He also felt led. But he was content, and he trusted in his Lord because of his focus on the sufficiency of Jesus Christ regardless of the circumstance. Sometimes things don't go our way. You know, we're not going to bat a thousand. No matter how hard we try, no matter how strong our faith is, we live in a fallen world. And until Jesus comes again, that's not going to change. Bad things are going to happen. Bad people are going to do bad things. Human nature says that we're all going to do things that we probably shouldn't be doing. Is there one perfect church? You know, I, I always thought, you know, coming out of seminary, when I finished all of, all of, all of that, that stuff, that my first church, I thought, oh, boy, this is going to be wonderful. Everybody's going to love Jesus you know, and everything's going to be fine and dandy. Everybody's going to get along. There's not going to be any controversy. Oh, forget it. You know, because Satan will use that, you know. You learn very quickly that as a pastor, if, if your pastor is very honest with themselves, whatever, you know, their first ministries or whatever, there's like a honeymoon stage where you can do nothing wrong. Everybody thinks you're the, you're the greatest thing since Moses. You know, and then suddenly, then reality strikes, and we realize that we're not perfect. We realize that we make mistakes. 
we realize sometimes we get angry. We realize all sorts of things about ourselves and about our congregations. You know, that suddenly that honeymoon stage is over, and that's when real ministry begins. Do we still love each other in spite of the flaws? Do we still want to follow in spite of the flaws? You know, I don't I'm not complaining. What I'm just saying is that's just kind of the way life is. So that leads us to number two, finding God. Finding God's will. John 7, 16 through 18. Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There's nothing false about him. Okay, I'm going to throw off this long, long sentence, but it really... You know, how many sermons or series have we heard or out there on, on knowing the will of God? And, there's, and you, you can put together your own steps of knowing God's will. But I'm going to try to wrap it up into one sentence for you. That's the beginning. Are you ready for this one, Rudy? Okay. Well, maybe yes, maybe no. Okay. Our willingness to obey God through his word, empowered by the spirit, is how we confirm his will and find our purpose and passion for ministry. It all comes down to obedience. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. Now, you can add, I can add points one, two, three, four, five, six, but it comes down to that. If we're not being obedient, and trusting God, we will not find his will. We'll be out of his will. So that to me is very, very uh, important. And, and sometimes I think of that. I, was, I think of my brother. He used to be down in Florida here a couple of weeks ago. I shared with some of you. My brother feels called. He feels called to be like a street evangelist. So when we go to a, into a restaurant... Janet, we knew what was coming, you know. She's going to take orders, what kind, of, what drinks you want, you know, coffee or decaf or water, whatever it is. And then I'm cross, I'm looking at my brother, I know he's getting revved up. You know, he's getting revved, he's ready. And so he, to pick a spot. And this one, one waitress, you know, he said, do you know Jesus? And right away, there was, a, it was, it was a little bit of tension there because she kind of, then her demeanor changed. She said, what did you say, Jan? I knew him once. I used to. That's I used to. And when she said, I used to, it was not a happy, I used to. Something you knew had happened in her life that turned her against God. Oh, but that didn't stop my brother. You know, he kept pushing and pushing and there I am, I am leaking. I am leaking. I'm a little bit anxious because I'm saying, my brother, dude, you know, you know, this wasn't a Paul Little thing. This is right in your face evangelism 
and she was not having it. Was he wrong? No, if God's called him to do that, he just has not called me to do that kind of evangelism. That's not in my DNA. I can't do that, and it makes me nervous when people do it. It makes Jan nervous as well. So we did get through the lunch. By the way, I had two milkshakes that day as well, too. I think I need to settle down my stomach on that one. But someone once said, obedience is the organ of spiritual knowledge. Think about that. Obedience is the organ of spiritual knowledge. It should be at the center. That's how we grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. How many times, remember, remember when maybe um, you read the word of God or you were, somebody said read the word of God before you were a Christian and you'd read the word and it didn't make any sense to you? Ever happened to you? Or people say, you know, they're not in Christ. Well, you know, I try to read it, but it makes no sense to me. I don't understand. I see contradictions. I see this, I that. It, I just don't get it. It's only when you come to Christ, when you're really, Jesus, in your heart, when you start reading the word of God, it starts making sense. Amen? It, do, it just starts making sense. Why is that? Because of the Holy Spirit. And obedience, that God opens up his knowledge to us. So, my feeling is, I know, I look out here, y'all love Jesus and he's your friend. I'm just encouraged that. If you're not sure that Jesus is your friend, be sure. Trust in his truth. If you trust in his truth, isn't this true? If we trust in Jesus and his truth, then our rainy days will not keep us down. Hear what I said? Our rainy days will not keep us down. If you are in Christ, you will not be down for a long period of time. I'm not saying we don't get depressed. I'm not saying we don't get, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that God does not want us to stay there. And his word and his truth and love demands that we get out of that funk and get back into his, his level of where he wants us to be. Amen? I don't know if this is regid with you folks or not. But I'm feeling very good about it myself. Um, I'm going to get to uh, the, the, my third thought, depending on God. I think, you know, we have all experienced that lonely time when the lights go off after a long, busy, hectic day. We have all had those feelings when things just aren't going well. And we can't get those negative thoughts out of our heads or events that have happened during the course of the day. But they can also be moments of healing and refreshment if we meet God in them. Okay? And that's really Psalm 121. And to me, you know, as we, we're going to go through this you know, verses by verse, because to me, this psalm, man, when you're down or whatever, go to Psalm 121 and really understand just how much God wants us to depend on him because he offers it all for us, depending on God, Psalm 121. Let's start with verses 1 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. 
Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Wow. We can look at that, and you could have an interpretation of that, can't you? That's a beautiful thing about Scripture. I can get one, one nugget out of it of truth, and, and God will speak to you and give you another nugget. And that's what's so amazing. God has come down in Christ and made his presence known. If God has come down in Christ and made his presence known, then Jesus is always one ask away. One ask for help away. God, Jesus, help me get through this. Help me, help me, help me. That is so crucial for us. How about verses 3 and 4? He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will never slumber nor sleep. God is our rock. He's our firm foundation. He's our security. Life is stable and balanced when we stand on the solid ground of Christ. Amen? All right. Now, having said that, remember, you know, our kids have grown up or whatever. But I can remember back in the day, perhaps you can as well, when your kids were really, really young. And you're talking to someone, either on the phone or you're visiting someone, and they're constantly doing this. Mom, Dad, Mom, Dad, poking you. Mom, Dad, you say, no, stop. Don't you know that I'm, I'm talking to someone? I'll get back to you. Okay. So you start talking again. Mom, tap it. Mom, Dad, they're constantly pestering. You say, stop it. Stop pestering and go play or whatever. I'll get back to you. Well, they're tireless. What they want, they want it now. And they're going to say, I'm going to keep pressing on and pressing on until you get mom or dad's attention. Friends, God is tireless. The Bible says he doesn't slumber. So we can pray to God night or day. It doesn't matter. Three o'clock in the morning, he's there. Four o'clock, he's there. He's there all the time. Remember the... Uh, the series, Frasier, remember that? I think, personally, that's one of my all-time favorites. I thought the writing was beautiful in that. And the chemistry on that between Frasier and Niles, oh, that was amazing in my world. But remember what Frasier used to say because he was like, you know, like a psychiatrist, and he had this radio show, a talk show, where question and answer, people would, would talk to him or whatever. Remember what he used to say? When that deep voice of his, he'd call me, they got the caller, he'd say, I am listening. You know, but that's God. See, God, now that's only a, a, a TV series written by people, but God is listening. That's the good news. God is always listening and he always hears us. But sometimes we get a little bit frustrated when it comes to the hearing part. If God's hearing me, then why isn't he not answering my prayers according to my will? That's the problem. Because we want it according to our will, our desires, and not his will. Remember, God knows best. Amen. Verses 5 and 6. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade. At your right hand, the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by, by night. The Lord casts a shadow on us. He is our guardian. He's always there. But Jesus doesn't always promise that we'll never, you know, have problems in this life. 
He never promises that. He just doesn't, and we need to understand that. But he does promise to be with and, and help us overcome them all in time in his way. Faith grows in the process of waiting, of waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled. There's something special about those times in our waiting for God to answer a prayer. Those are great times of growing in faith, seeking his counsel, seeking his wisdom. So we don't want that. We want the promises, but we don't want that waiting in between. Remember Abraham? The Bible says Abraham waited patiently before he received God's promises. Did Abraham in his waiting have problems? Oh my goodness, you bet he did. Personally, in a variety of ways. But the Bible says he waited patiently knowing that somehow God would deliver, and of course God did. How about you? Where are you at today? You know, I think one of the things I have to be reminded of, on especially a day like today, when you see so few people, Satan wants to get in there and say, see, 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 you know, you know, it's not working, you're a failure, I'm not going to, God's not using you, except does he do that? He plays those games on all of us. You can say, you can say, he might say to you, look at all the effort you're putting into your church. Eh, it's not working. Has it really changed? So he goes on and on and on. That's what he does. When we are in our waiting, that's when usually God does his best work in us. Waiting for the answer, waiting for the answer to that problem is crucial wait, wait, wait. If God is, you're, you're waiting for something, how many of you today are waiting for God to answer a prayer, a promise? Pretty much, that's all of us, right? I got a whole list. And some of them I've been praying for years and years. But I'm not giving up. I'm waiting on God because I know that he knows what's best. So I'm going to wait on him even though sometimes I don't like it. But that's okay. God understands that, you know, as well. All right. Verses 7 and 8. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. We can depend on God no matter what. Because nothing, sin, problems, illness can separate us from his constant and unfailing love. No matter what it is for you, that's something you can take to the bank. That he'll never, he'll never, nothing we do will ever separate us from his love. And sometimes we get so, we're so hard on ourselves. We beat ourselves up sometimes because we forget God's grace. You know, oh God, I did this, I shouldn't have done that. Why do I think this way? Boy, I'm just, I'm a mess. Doesn't Satan get in there and really turn the screws on that one? You're not worthy, you're not worthy, you're not worthy, you're not worthy. None of us are. We're here because of the grace of God. That's it. We are. So we should not think too highly of ourselves because, you know, 
we are not perfect people. And I remember one thing, one nice thing about preaching is you can tell you all my stories. You say, oh, boring. Here he goes again talking about another story about himself. But I hope we can connect with this. When I was in Princeton, Illinois, pastoring there for almost 10, 10 and a half, 11 years, and it was my second church, and you learn a lot from the first one. We were in the first one for four years. And I had been taught, being with the other denomination, I won't mention it anymore since we're on, these things are going out there, I gotta be cautious what I say. I don't mention the name of that. The, the other denomination, wink, wink, you know what I'm talking about. One of the things that they taught us, or we've been trained to do, was for the pastor to have control. Have control. Be aware at all times, almost, what's going on in your church. So, being me, not being very smart, I would kind of take things literally. And so, in that church in particular, now, I'm not really exaggerating, Jan can help me here. I was putting in working probably 70 hours a week. Jan said about 70. I think it was less than that, but she said 70. You think it was more? Whatever. All right. We're not going to argue about that. We know it was a lot of hours. The reason why, because I thought that I had to control everything, that I had to be in charge of everything. And I thought I was right. I, <laughs> Rudy, I'll be cool. I thought I was right. In fact, at one point in time, I used to teach this to a cluster of churches about elders, the responsibilities, and everything. In my church, I had Susan, I had, a, I had a stack of folders, one for the, the missions committee, one for the worship committee, one for the education committee, one for the buildings and grounds committee, one for the outreach committee, whatever. Reason why is because I will go to every meeting. I don't know how many meetings I had during the course of an average week, at least two or three nights I was going to a meeting. I wasn't the chair, I was just the pastor there. And I knew my, by my presence being there, some of those committees, they didn't want me there because it made them nervous. And so I'd take notes, but I'd make sure that I put my input into each one so that they are doing it the way I wanted them to do it. What is wrong with that? That's how a lot of pastors function today. They are in charge. You're just the subjects, you know. They are in charge. And unfortunately, a lot of churches allow that to happen. So my point with all of this is I've learned the lesson the hard way, and that's not my personality anyway. That's not the way to do ministry. Ministry is you, you, you're to give it away. So I learned that. I'm a, I'm a polar opposite than what I was in Princeton, Illinois. You'd see two different pastors if you saw me then and now. I'm t entirely different. 
than it was then. Thank you, Jesus, for that. So I decided to put it in Jesus' hand. See, back there, I thought that God put me in charge. That he really didn't need God because he put me in charge. To rest in Jesus Christ is to be in him. To be in Christ is to rest in Christ. Go back and forth. Knowing that Jesus Christ is in charge should give us peace. I didn't feel that peace. Not on a regular basis, I didn't feel it. I wanted out of there. I go to San Jose. Had the whole staff. You know? That didn't help. Because I still wanted to be in charge. Almost to say to my, to my uh, pastor of, of uh, small groups, this guy has to go by my office every day to go out to lunch. He had to pass through my door. And old Vince, he would always hit all these restaurants in San Jose, whatever. And I used to kind of go, hmm. Why is he doing all this? And I got, and Jan gives me a sack lunch. You know, I'm a Midwest guy. I got, that's, we just, we, we work, we work, we work. See, my point with all of that, it, it sounds a little bit silly or whatever, but, but that's what happens when we seek to be in charge, when we want to be the one that pulls all the buttons and does all these things. But the psalmist reminds us that God is thinking about you and he's thinking about me every second, every minute of the day. We have some young people here. That's okay. You guys are cool. That's all right. Very studious. Now, this young man has been very studious. He's been listening by every word, but I'm sure that he's listening. He's saying, really? What have I, what have I been talking about? <laughs> no. My point is that Jesus loves you so much. He loves you guys so much that he'll do, he died for you. And you can always count on him to be there for you every second of the day for all of us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And boy, I need, I need to hear that for myself. Jai Lee, Jesus loves you so much. He looks down, I really believe it, and he looks at that and he says, my children, these are my children, I'm proud of them. They're seeking me, they love me, I'm proud of them. And he looks at us older people the same way, with such love and compassion he has for us. Psalm 121, therefore, we should I'm leaving you with this. We should trust God. Seek him. Serve him. Enjoy him. Embrace him. And claim his promises. 
promises that he will always come through for each and every one of us. Maybe not on, on our own timetable, table, but he will always come through. The Bible says he is our God. There's only one God. There's only one true God. There's only one Son, Jesus Christ. We worship the one true God. We worship the one Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. If Jesus Christ is with us, then who can stand against us? Whatever you're going through, Jesus is standing with you. He cares for you. He loves you. He loves me. I need to hear that. I need to hear that when I'm down, that God loves me, that Jesus loves me, that he died for me in that cross. Otherwise, I couldn't survive. I can't believe how people can get through life without Jesus Christ and have their sanity. I really don't. I close with this. For all of us here, give God the praise. Give Jesus Christ the praise. Every day, every hour, every give him praise. He is everything. He is everything. He is everything any would ever could ever want. It's not just being popular, it's not just being rich or whatever. Jesus Christ is everything. Give him praise. Give him praise in your heart. Give him praise in your life. Give him praise. Oh, he deserves praise. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus, we praise you. We praise you, Lord. In this place, this time, We praise you, God. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Holy Spirit. Even, Lord, if, if, a, if a brother or sister here today is struggling with praising you, Lord, I pray that you'll convict their hearts just to start praising you regardless, regardless, Lord, of what they're going through even in the hard time, even in the confusing times, Lord, that they will learn and be convicted to praise you. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy. And we love you. In Jesus' name, we love you. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Amen. You feel his presence.
sometimes I, I'm, I need to close, but sometimes, you know, in my own thoughts, I think about what, what would I, how am I going to re- respond when I see Jesus face to face? You ever think of that? You know, how, 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 how am I going to respond? And, and I can only speak for me, but what I'm looking forward to is when I meet my Lord, your Lord, face to face. You know, I just want to give him a big hug. Give him a big hug and just say, just hang on to me. Hang on to me. You are truly my hero, my love of my life. Thank you. Thank you. I give you praise. Amen. Have a great day and go and serve your king.